Um, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I unveiled to everybody our word of the year. Two years back, I decided, let's pick one word every year and try and fixate on that word so that we can keep growing and maturing as a church and as individuals. And the word we picked for 2018 is the word develop. Remember that? If you were here, the word develop. Because I thought that fit perfectly. And I had two points in that sermon, just to review a little bit. I said, we need to put ourselves in a place of development. Church should be that. Small groups should be that. Men's ministry should be that. Women's ministry should be that. Put yourself in a place where you're going to be developed. Secondly, as a Christian, we're supposed to put ourselves in a place where we develop others. Not only do I need to be developed in my walk with God and need help even from others, but I've got to develop somebody else. This is really important. This is what it means to make disciples. We're commanded to do that. It's not an option. It's something we're supposed to do. Well, I introduced that word, and then as I thought about it further, I realized this was God's strategy for us to change culture. You know, often when we think of our culture here in the United States, uh, we, we do what? We complain. Eh, the music's gone this way, and the movies are raunchy, and politics, well, you know. We're complaining, right, about all the cultural changes that have happened, the moral decline, the marriages falling apart. You know what I mean? We just complain. Well, isn't there something we can do about it? Well, God, in his sovereign wisdom, communicated to Israel, who's going to move into what was called the promised land, but a totally pagan land, and he didn't want their culture to be corrupted. So after he gave them, and this is the whole reason he gave them the Ten Commandments, he gives them some other instruction. And when you read it, and we're going to read it this morning out of the book of Deuteronomy, it's abundantly clear that God's intention was to shape the Israelites' culture and protect them. And so what I'm talking about today, when I talk about culture, I'm talking about the culture of your family. How is it? I'm talking about the culture of our church. How's it going? I'm talking about the culture of our community, our world. And the whole idea as as disciples of Christ is that we're supposed to be culture shapers, culture changers. And I think when we look at this passage of Scripture that's really given specifically to Israel, we'll see. But the principles translate totally into our life too. So what I'd like to do before I look at it is pray with you. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we come to you as your humble servants asking you to teach us today. Give us wisdom, insight, and understanding about our our family, ourself, our church, our community, and our responsibility. I pray, Lord, specifically when we start thinking about these things, that you'd give us understanding of how we can do this and what we're supposed to do. Would your Holy Spirit literally prompt us? Would your Holy Spirit come upon us and revive us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, having been a Sunday school teacher myself, when I read some of these passages of Scripture, and I've worked with kids a lot, and I raised three kids myself, and um, with my wife, of course, probably did more than me, but, and all the different things I've been involved with kids, my own parents who were, my dad was a fourth grade Sunday school teacher, my mom was a Sunday school teacher as well, and all these different things. I have some strong convictions. And the passage we're looking at today, you can see God's instruction to the Israelites was, you want to shape a culture, you want to change some things, you got to start with the kids. And so in this idea of develop, what I'm going to try and do is start with our children's ministry and show you how when we do this well, we literally shape the future of our church, of our families, and even as our, of our, our culture that you and I live in here. 
I've been reading a book recently about a culture. And um, I guess now that I'm uh, legitimately old, and I, I'm 65, so that's old, right? I'm old. I, you look back on your life and you realize times when you did so so good at raising your kids, and times when you did so bad, and you know successes and failures, and you see all these different even trends that are happening now, and, and trends you were following back then. Some of them were just fads and things like that. I realize more than ever how important it is. And like I said, when, when I'm uh, looking at my life in the background, I got, I got these strong convictions about raising children and what it takes and what we're supposed to do. And I, I think I was, I, I was prompted in the last few weeks, there's been a book uh, I've been reading about culture and what shapes culture and what makes culture and how to change culture. It's written by a couple Christian authors. It, it really reminded me what a pr- tremendous opportunity you and I have, not only in our families with our own kids, but in the families of this church. And over the years, kids' lives being changed who are now adults. <laughs> Several of them I have on staff at this church because their culture was changed and their own families were changed and their own hearts were changed. You know, what we're going to do is look at a passage of Scripture now, and I, I want you to look at it through that lens of what God's telling Israel to do to protect themselves, lead themselves, guide themselves. And it's all about what you do with your heart. And I'd look at, like to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 with you. You got your Bibles? Look with me at Deuteronomy 6. We're only going to look at the first seven verses, but it's extremely powerful. Moses had just gotten the Ten Commandments, given them to the people, and he says this, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which, to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, and all, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. That's quite a promise. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you. Another promise. And that you may multiply greatly. Another promise. As the Lord, the God of our fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. So he's always saying, well, the land's going to be flowing with milk and honey, but you've got some work to do. To shape the culture. I I can't help but think that's America because we are a land flowing with milk and honey saying, yeah, but there's some things you need to do. Well, what do we need to do? He explains. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and you and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. I put down in my outline, shape your culture by shaping hearts. Doesn't that sound like what he's saying here? Israel, you're going to have to shape your culture by shaping your heart, first of all, first point, like to the Lord. So you've got to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. And if, if you remember, I've said this several times in sermons. I've, I, in doing a study, I found out the best English synonym for the word love in the Hebrew or the Greek is the word commitment. Because you can't love if you're not totally committed, Committed, right? In fact, in one time I even used the illustration of concrete. said love is like concrete. Yeah, you pour concrete, it's set. That's right. When, when you make a covenant of love to somebody, you're in it forever. That's your commitment. To say you love somebody and not be committed is not to love them, period. 
So anyway, this is what we got to do. And then it, it, to our children, he's saying, and then commit your children's heart to the Lord. So you commit your heart to the Lord, then you commit your children's heart to the Lord. Well, one could easily ask, well, how do you do that? He explains. Did you notice verse 7? You shall teach them, is the first thing he says. Teach them diligently to your children. The word teach in NID is translated impress. Maybe you've got that, but I always think impress. I think of memory foam, like a memory foam pillow or memory foam mattress. Put your hand in and pull it. And impress. In fact, the Hebrew word for this word teach means literally sharpen, repeat, or say again. And how do you teach? Repetition, repetition, say again, say again, teach again, look another way, teach, look another way. That's what he's saying, teaching. Methodical, isn't it? Intentional, isn't it? Strategic, isn't it? Yeah, it's impressing it upon them. Then he goes on and says something else, and I find this very interesting. He doesn't just say teach, he says what? Talk. Talk. Talk of them. It's not just a teaching thing. You know, think about it from a kid's point of view. If all I hear mom and dad do is teach me these things, or just in Sunday school class, teach me these commands of the Lord, but no one ever talks through with things about me or answers my questions, we never talk it through, then I'm getting the idea that this is religious stuff. It has nothing to do with practical living. It doesn't have anything to do with my real life. And sad to say, that's happening across the world, but in churches. Where we're just teaching, we're not talking. It's really up to the parent, up to the church as well to help kids talk these things through. Let, next he says, sit. I think that's why God put this way. Teach, talk, and then sit with them. Someone once said this. Listen to this quote. Home is where life makes up its mind. Pretty true, isn't it? Listen to this quote, too. This is Socrates. Remember who Socrates was, the great Greek philosopher back in the 400s BC? So this is a long time ago. He's asking a question of his fellow citizens, and listen to what he says. Fellow citizens, why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and take so little care of your children to whom one day you must relinquish it all? Oh, kind of hits, doesn't it? We work so hard sometimes, but ignore the future. Ignore what's going what's to carry on. Ignore our legacy by not spending enough time to sit with our kids. Then he mentions this word walk. You get the idea? Teach, talk, sit, and then walk. Walking is um, a process, right? A step-by-step process. But we like to have immediate obedience. We like to fly right past all the walking and get right into doing something, changing something, the kid obeying what I said, you know, uh, just do what I told you, kind of an idea, rather than the walking, which is so pedestrian, so methodical. Yeah, and that's the whole reason he wrote it, telling us this is going to be a step-by-step process. This is going to take quite a commitment to walk. And, and you know what I think of right away? I think of the Lord. He goes, yeah, exactly. You know what it's like walking with you? It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of step-by-step process. It's pretty methodical. It's pretty pedestrian, you know? I, I think that's what the Lord would say with us. And he's saying, well, hey, I'm patient enough to walk with you. Why don't you be patient enough to walk with your children? I thought that was good. I, I, this, this passage has got so much more. I've got to go through it quickly. But then he says, lie down. You know, I raised three daughters, and I learned a lot about just listening and trying to understand a point of view that I didn't hold and trying to feel some feelings I didn't have. 
We, we used to sit in the, I remember laying down in bed with them in, in one of the rooms. We had two girls in that big room one time and for, for a season of their life. And you could see cars go by on Atsion Road and, and they would go around the room like that. The headlight, headlights would go around and we called it trains. And we would count trains, just laying in bed, talking, listening, talking about the day, what happened, what they're afraid of, what's going on in school, their friends. But you know what? To lie down, you need to slow down. For many of us, we're going so fast. Maybe it's even worse in the East Coast. It seems like it is. We don't take time to lie down. And isn't it interesting? The Lord says, yeah, you got to teach, you got to talk, you got to sit, you got to walk, and you need to lie down with them. And then the last word, rise or rise up. You know, um, my dad, he was a factory worker for most of his life. He um, never graduated from high school. When he was a senior, he quit joined the Marine Corps and went and fought World War II in the Philippines. Got back, decided not to go to school, got married, had a family. My mom, she graduated, she's bachelor's degree, professional woman. And, but, but it was my dad that took the lead in sitting down at the supper table and saying, hey, let's just read a passage of scripture, let's pray together. It was my dad that would talk to us in the living room or sometimes lay in the bed and talk with us about stuff. Mom too, but I mean, like, dad was taking the lead. I, it wasn't until recently I wondered, you know, did, was it ever embarrassing for dad? I mean, like, here's his college-educated wife that's a leader, you know, and, and was that embarrassing to him maybe or intimidating to do this in front of his wife? But my dad rose above that. He did it anyway. I, I just want to challenge all of us. Do you realize the responsibility given to us by children in this church? God's blessing us with children. And now we have the chance to invest in them, to develop them. Right now, what I'm going to do for the rest of the service is I'm going to invite Justin Wright to come out. He heads up our children's ministry here to help us understand the great opportunity given to us in this church by the kids given to us. And we need to team up with Justin and his team in helping them develop the kids here. I want to show you some things that are pretty exciting here. Justin, preach it, brother. Tell us what we got to learn here. We have a great opportunity with this church, with the great staff God's given us, to be able to really develop. And I want to show you how that's going to work in a little more concrete way, so I asked Justin to come. I'll be back in a minute. I'll be back when he's done. Thank you, Pastor Marty. Uh, First, I want to thank the church leadership. I want to thank Pastor Marty uh, for allowing children's ministry to be up here today and be represented. Uh, We thank him for the vision, for the word developed. We're very excited about this word this year. We can't wait to work together with you guys to develop your children and develop our families. And honestly, being up here today, uh, it really shows that FAC truly values our children, and we are so grateful for that. So for those of you who don't know, I, I taught in Pemberton for 13 years, and I had the honor to shape the culture and the hearts and the minds of the children my 13 years in Pemberton. While I was in Pemberton, it, it really it shaped who I was. It shaped who I am now. It taught me a lot about life. It taught me a lot about people. It taught me a lot about families. It taught me a lot about community. While I was in Pemberton, I witnessed <laughs> so much. Ups and downs, the good and bad, celebrations, funerals. 
one thing I learned for sure is that children are an absolute precious gift from God. I learned that children are smart, funny, witty, intelligent, creative, and tons of fun. And you know what else I learned? Children want to be disciplined. They want to be taught. They want to be accepted. And they want to be loved. One of the time periods in Pemberton that at the time I thought was going to be the worst time of my teaching career ended up being the best. Our middle school, they wanted to start an alternative program and put some of the roughest, toughest, worst, most broken kids in this program. And they also wanted me to be out there and teach these kids. At the time, I thought it was a punishment. I really, truly thought, I I really thought I had done something wrong. What did I do to deserve to be in this program? And I can tell you that it was the best thing that ever happened to my teaching career. While I was in this program, we had kids who were in gangs, taking drugs, drinking, pills, abuse, promiscuity, parents in prison. And I learned that families, their families, and our schools had failed them, which is a huge understatement. They didn't care about school, and they didn't care about themselves. The name of the program, funny enough, was Success Academy. And at first, it didn't sound like an academy or a program that was going to be successful. And it ended up being highly successful. See, what we did in this program, it went beyond just teaching. Essentially, what the teachers were asked to do in this program, we essentially were being asked to raise these kids because the families and the community were not. We essentially were their last hope. One of the things last week, Bruce Main, if you were here, got to hear his message, did a fantastic job. And right out of the gate, one of the first things he said is, you have to build connections. If you want to keep the kids close to you, your kids, our kids, we're all in it together, you have to first build connections with them. See, before you can develop a child or a fellow person, you have to first connect to their heart. They have to know that they can trust you. And in this program, the only reason we were successful is because they knew, and it took time, they knew we loved them, we knew that we were there for them. And you know what happened? Everything changed. See, imagine taking a group of kids, abandoned, told they'd be a failure their whole lives. And you know what happens? When you tell a kid something enough times, when you tell your child something enough times, they believe it, they accept it, and they live it out. These kids were just living out what they'd been told their whole lives. Think about the opposite side. Can you imagine if every day you told your kids that you loved them, the Lord loves them, you're there for them, you're somebody to me? Could you imagine the impact that would leave on your kids and your family. So let me ask you, who do you want raising your kids? The schools? Coaches? Their friends? Social media? Or you? 
So the sad truth about the program, it was successful for a time. We made a lot of inroads, saw a lot of great stories. We had kids that did so well that when it was time to say, you've done so well, you can go back into the middle school. They didn't want to. They didn't want to leave what we had, and what we had was a family. But the sad truth is that no matter how hard we worked, no matter how hard we tried, no matter how much we invested in them, everything we did was undone when they'd go back home and was demolished. See, the reality is schools, they're only as strong as the families. And what we lacked, schools lack, is that partnership with the families that's needed for success. I don't know if you guys realize this, but there is a real spiritual war that is raging in our country right now for the hearts and minds of our children. Watch the news. Our children, they're more vulnerable than ever. Families are being destroyed. Moral values are gone. But I was encouraged. It's going through preparing the other day, and Joshua 24, 15 came to mind. The Lord brought it to my heart. And you know what Joshua 24, 15 says? It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's so much that's out of our control. But as families, I'm asking you, I'm telling you, what you need to do is you and your house, you need to serve the Lord. Point one says, we need to develop our children. And I'd like to, I know Pastor Marty had went over Deuteronomy 6. I want to go over verses 5 through 7 again, if you will. So verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. When I read these verses, I see two clear commands that have been laid out in front of us. Love God, and secondly, teach your children to do the same. Let's follow that up with Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And what's kind of scary about that is that the, the truth of the matter is, guys, is that the only thing we can do is love our children, plant seeds. Our kids have free will. They're going to make their decisions. They may even go the wrong direction. But what I love about this verse is that it promises that when you take the time now, when they're young, to train them up in the way they should go, it might take to when they're old, but they'll never depart from it. So let me ask you, how's your training going? How's it going at home? We care about these kids. We care about you. We care about the families. Let's take a minute to pray real quick, if you would. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our children. Thank you for the gift and the heritage they are from you. Lord, being a parent, raising a child is hard. Harder than we could have ever imagined, Lord. And we know we can't do it without your help. We can't do it without the church's help, Lord. Give us the strength and courage each day to press on to love our kids, even when some days they don't seem very lovable. 
Lord, give us the strength for those who maybe need to go home first and ask for forgiveness from their spouse, from their children. Let the healing begin, Lord. Let the forgiveness take hold so that we can build connections with our children once again. Lord, I ask for protection over our children, families, the schools. We need you more than ever, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given to each and every one of us, Lord. I pray that you would live in us and you would help us do this very thing. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So here's the best part of what I'm asking you to do, families. You are not alone in raising your children. One, you've got the Holy Spirit. When you're walking with the Lord, trust me, you'll be doing the right thing when it comes to parenting. Follow the Lord's lead. And two, you've got the church. We're here for you. See, here's what we want to do. We want to be here with you. Children's ministry, we want to partner with you. We want to support you. We want to back you. We want to carry your burdens. See, we believe the command to raise children falls on all of us. And I want to ask you, will you join us in this partnership? Point two says, we need to develop our ministry. I had the privilege of sitting down with Marty, and we got to really talk about children's ministry, who we are, what are we, what do we want to do, where do we want to go in 2018 and beyond. And we figured there was three key things that we wanted to really hone in on this year. The first thing is prayer. See, what we want to do is we want to show kids not only to pray, but what is prayer and why we do it. But here's the thing. Our kids need to see us pray. At church, they need to see mom and dad praying at home. So what we want to do is we want to take prayer beyond just mealtime. God is great. God is good. Thank him for our food. Or before bedtime, now I lay me down to sleep. We want our kids to see prayer as relational, not as a ritual. But I will tell you, taking the time to really pray with your kids on that deeper level, taking it to the next level, you're going to have to get comfortable with getting uncomfortable. It's not always natural to sit down and pray with your kids. I struggle with it. It's hard for me sometimes. There's times where I should pray with my kids, and I don't do it. But think for a second. If you actually took the time to pray with your kids... When they come home, they're struggling in their friendships. They're struggling in school. They're making bad decisions. And in that moment, instead of like how I do sometimes, instead of getting mad or angry or flustered or disappointment, disappointed, and say, you know what? I think we should pray about it. The Lord has the answers. He knows. And not only in the tough times, but how about the good times? Wow, way to go. You scored two goals in your soccer game. Fantastic. You know what we should do? We should praise the Lord for that. Because he gave you the ability to do that. Could you imagine what that would do in the lives of your children and your families? 
And I will tell you, I will be the first one to tell you, I failed in this area again and again. And I will tell you this, though. It's okay. Just don't give up. We want to make prayer a centerpiece of all that we do in children's ministry. And honestly, we need help too. That's why we're going to partner with Mike Cole and the prayer team so they can provide us tools. How do you pray with your kids? How do you get past that uncomfortable factor? We're going to have a parent night in the end of February. We're going to have Pastor Brent come. We're going to have Mike Cole come. They're going to come. They're going to show us how we can take back our families. So when we're at church and we're teaching our kids how to pray, can we count on you to do the same at home? We need you to take the lead. Next thing that we're going to do, scripture memorization. Not only do we want kids to memorize verses, we want to understand what they mean, and we want them to be able to apply them to their lives. We believe that kids need to have the word of the Lord written on the heart. And you know what else I believe? You do too. So do I. Started thinking the other day is, could you imagine if you memorize scripture as often as we memorize sports stats? I could tell you every game the Sixers won, every stat line by Joan Bede. I could tell you how many wins the Eagles had or, the, or my favorite football teams. Could you imagine if we put the same effort into memorizing our sports scores as we did in learning the Bible? See, children in school today, they're being pushed harder than ever before. They're being taught higher level questioning, critical thinking. And you know what I thought? We need to raise the bar in our ministry too. We need to push these kids. They're ready for it. They can learn verses. We need to be pushing them. Each quarter this year, we decided to focus on one key verse to memorize. We would love for them to memorize a ton more, but each quarter of the year, we chose four verses. The first verse that we're going to focus on is John 3.16, and John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We believe that every kid should know that verse. The other day, I was sitting there talking to my son, and he goes, Oh, Dad, I know that verse. I said, oh, that's great. But what does it mean? And he just stared at me. And I thought, exactly. We need to be pushing these kids more. John 13, 35 says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. These kids need to know what following Jesus means. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Love one another. They need to know that. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our children need to know that the only way in this life is through Jesus. John 15, 5, one of my personal favorites, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Not only did they need to know that, that verse should be encouraging to you as well. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. Leading our children, leading our families, praying, memorize scripture, all needs to be done in his name. 
the last thing that we wanted to do is we wanted to focus on love and action. We wanted to teach children the importance of loving others and even our enemies. They need to see your love in action. They need to see mom and dad, families leading the way. That's why this year we're going to partner with Pastor Suresh Thomas, our missions pastor, with Feeding 5000, with Urban Promise, because we want to provide families opportunities to serve together, to love on your community and beyond. We want to show our kids what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Our last point, we need to be developed by others. And I'll just keep this short. I had mentioned before you need to get comfortable with getting uncomfortable. And I will tell you that if you put yourself in a position to be developed by others, it will be very uncomfortable at times. But here's what I will tell you. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. It is critical to your walk to get into a group of fellow believers. So here's my challenge to you. Today, this week, that small group you've been thinking about joining, join it. Get into a men's group. Get into a women's group. You won't regret it. And your families will thank you. So what I'd like to do at this time, I'd like to invite Pastor Marty back out. I'd like to invite my kids ministry team out. And what we're going to do is I wanted to bring them out. And I wanted to give them the opportunity to share their heart. So I'm going to pass the microphone to Meg Prime. She's our preschool ministry coordinator, and they're each going to take a minute or two, and they're going to let you know what the word develop means and what it means to your children and our church. So Meg? Um, Hello, how are you? I hope you guys are having a good morning so far. Um, So really when I was thinking about this, I was reflecting on my personal growth as a child and growing up in this church and really reflecting on that and my family. So I really wanted to start, and when I was looking at it, I thought it was just a beautiful picture of how God really works everything together. I was thinking about it from my parents' perspectives. Um, They were in many churches uh, throughout the time I was growing up. My mom was in women's ministry. My dad was in men's ministry. Um, They had accountability from believers that were with them. And my mom also served in the Sunday school classroom with me sometimes. And they were being fed and they were growing and they were bringing that home to us. And then my brother and my dad and my sister and, and myself and my mom, we were all seeing that in our family because they were being fed and they were coming home and they were showing that to us as parents. And I then got to receive that as a child and then it, it came full circle. I mean, I knew my mom's prayed the salvation prayer with me, and my dad knew that I was a kid that had questions, and I'm still an adult that has questions. I like to know the answers to things. I like to know the why. I don't just take things that people tell me and say, okay, that's it. I, I So I would always come to my dad with theological questions, like, why is this? Why is that? Show me in the Bible. And my dad didn't always have the answers, but he, I always knew that he was going to go, and he was going to look, and he was going to help me out and walk beside me in that. And that was so important to know that I had someone solid in my family like that that I could go to. And that helped my growth. But at the same time, as a child, you know, you're in school and my parents had 
people that were close to us that were very um, legalistic. And that brought a lot of fear in me. I, I would see, I would go to certain people's homes and um, that they were friends with, and, and that would terrify me that I would say the wrong thing. So it was so important for me to be able to come to church and to be able to see what true fellowship and community looked like and to be able to see the joy and the fun and just understand that everything God tells us to do is for our good. He's not just saying it so that we have these rules. It's because he loves us and he wants to instill that into our lives. And so that was just so great for me. And I also really want to stress how important it was for me to see my mom serving in that Sunday school classroom and having myself be in there too. I think it helped her really be able to bring that home and minister into our lives at home. And it also showed me how we're supposed to serve in our church. So... Great. Next up, we have Rochelle Lee, who has done a fantastic job volunteering as one of our Snow Buddy coordinators. Rochelle? Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Rochelle. I work with the Snow Ministry and everybody up here, whom I love very much. Um, I have learned in the few months that I have been working with Snow, it's all about trust. And a lot of us, we drop our kids off every day here at the church at, well, not every day, but at Sunday, on Sundays, and then every day at school. And we have to learn how to trust and I've learned in all of that, me being a parent of a special needs child and dealing with parents that have, you know, special needs children, that trust goes beyond school and even beyond the church. It goes into being able to trust something that is bigger than all of our problems and greater than anything and being able to trust God. So knowing that I try to help our parents develop by trusting, trusting in that thing that we may not see, trusting in the things that we very well may see, and knowing that it's all going to be good in the end. So, you know, that the biggest thing for me with the parents and with the kids and earning that and then them trusting in God. Awesome. Next up we have Alex Tracy, our amazing elementary intern. Okay. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm the elementary intern here at FAC, obviously, because I'm here. Um, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit about my story. Um, I did not grow up a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 16, so I was past that whole young age. Um, I was in a tough spot, so then I became a Christian, and it was awesome. Um, the reason why I find it so important that we develop our children here at FAC is that they need to know that there's someone to talk to. They need to know that someone loves them. There's someone greater than them that they can always go to. I didn't have that growing up, so that's why I feel like it's so important that us as members of this church that we work to develop our children. Well, um, Pastor Dave said a couple weeks ago, he said that we need to be rooted in God's love in order to be developed, and that really stuck with me. If we let our children know that we love them and that God loves them, they're going to develop to be followers of Christ, and I think that's awesome, and that's really what we're pushing for here in children's ministry. Great. And last, we have Christy Peterson, who has been doing a fantastic job as our preschool volunteer coordinator. Christy. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to share with you, I'm the preschool volunteer coordinator now, but I've been a volunteer for a long time. So I just wanted to share with you um, how God has developed me as a volunteer. Uh, By my very nature, I am an introvert, and I'm an introvert who likes a plan. Um, I like organization, and I like to feel qualified when I do a job. And so when an opportunity to serve was presented to me, um, quite honestly, I felt not qualified. I thought, I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to do things that other people who are far more qualified than I am could do. And so I'm just going to let them do it. Um, 
And somewhere along the way, I ran out of excuses. And I had friends come alongside who encouraged me, who walked with me, who developed me as a leader, bit by bit, step by step, um, as I stepped out and trusted the Lord. And God built my faith. He stretched me. Um, He still stretches me. It doesn't stop once you step forward. Um, He may call you one day to stand on a stage in front of hundreds of people. Um, But... I just want to encourage you that if you have ever felt like, I just am not qualified, God does not call the qualified, he calls the willing. Um, step forward and lead. help us lead your children. Um, God is just doing amazing things, and we're so excited for what he's, he's preparing us to do. Thank you. Pastor Marnie. Great. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but I get pretty excited to think we have a whole team, and this is just a representation of the whole team of volunteers that are trying to help you. And they're going to, did you hear what Justin said? In three simple things. They want to teach your kid how to really pray. Not just now I lay me down to sleep, but like, Lord, I want to communicate in tough times, in good times, praising the Lord, thanking the Lord, asking the Lord. Our kids need to learn that. And when they send assignments home with you to pray with your kid, I hope you take that seriously. Secondly, they want to teach our kids how to learn the Word. They're going to take the book of John and other curriculum they use to help kids learn and think through the Scriptures. Like I talked about, you know, teaching and talking, talking things through. And then lastly... (laughs) They're going to help them love one another. You think that might help with your siblings in the family, with mom and dad, with the kids at school? Yeah, that's what we're supposed to, by this, all men will know we're his disciples by our love for one another. Now, that's just amazing to me. Just three simple things. If in 2018 we can get those things across, we're, we're, we're way ahead of the game. And to think you can partner with them. But the reason I wanted them up here is because you need to see, these are your partners. We need to work together to do this, to really develop our children. And and we have awesome opportunities. So whether you're you're married with kids, or you're past raising kids like me, or, or, or you're single, it doesn't matter. The book of Deuteronomy was written to everyone. In, in Israel, just like everyone in the kingdom of God right now in the church should listen to this. This is for all of us. Our responsibility is with these kids, and we can literally shape our culture by doing it. So here's what I want you to do. Let's end the service by standing together and praying. Praying a prayer of commitment. Dear God, I thank you so much for this team. Thank you for Justin and his leadership. Thank you for the way you've coordinated and put things together. Oh, we have so much more to do. Thank you for the hundreds of volunteers that work in this ministry, in our church. Bless them, Lord. Help them, Lord. And may we as parents, or we as other people in the church with kids, or maybe there's some people here you're calling to be a Sunday school teacher. Whatever it be, Lord, help us realize we literally can shape our families, shape our church, shape our community when we commit ourselves to this. So, dear God, I ask, would you give us... the the courage and the strength to commit to this? Would you give us the wisdom and the know-how? Would you guide us as we're trying to teach our kids how to pray, how to look into the Word themselves, and how to love one another? Help us do this, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name, and help everyone here make this kind of commitment to say, okay, I'm all in. I want to be a part of developing the kids in this church. Thank you, Lord, for every child, every person you brought to us. And we take it on responsibly. 
So, Lord, I pray for your blessing upon the team that's on stage right now as leaders, for Justin as a leader over our children's ministry, and for us as a church. Guide us in this as we commit our way to the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.